If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect, and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect, and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Now, I'd like to introduce today Helen Rogerson. Now, Helen's the CEO of Leadership EQ. Now, it's not the normal CEO, it's Chief Equine Officer of Leadership EQ. How are you, Helen? I'm very well, thank you, Glenys, and yourself? I'm very well, and really happy to introduce you. And before I even start, if we talk about Equine Facilitated Learning, Equine Facilitated Therapy, because I'm introducing you as Equine Facilitated Learning. Is that right? Because I just wanted to find the difference there. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit before we start? Normally I'd ask for your favourite quote, but I just think this is really important to define this. So can you tell us the difference between the two? Sure. And let me say to you that most people get them confused. I have a lot of people think what I do, being the learning side of it, is equine-assisted therapy. So basically there's two modalities in this space. Mm -hmm. One is equine-assisted therapy and the other is is equine-assisted learning. So equine-assisted therapy is the better known of the two modalities. So equine-assisted therapy can be defined as an intervention that uses the unique quality of horses for treatment purposes to improve social, growth motor and self-help skills in individuals. One of the forms of equine-assisted therapy, for example, is hippotherapy, hippos being the Greek word for horse. And this particular type of therapy requires a qualified physical occupational professional who works in tandem with a skilled horse person to help improve motor function. So that's hippotherapy and that's a form of equine-assisted therapy. The second part of equine-assisted therapy that is more well-known relates to mental health and is often referred to as equine-assisted psychotherapy. So this particular therapy is where the interaction of the human and the horse can help address emotional issues. Uh, This form of therapy usually requires a trained counsellor or a psychologist who spends one-on-one time with the client and a horse or a herd of horses. And many people may be familiar with this in the in the practice of, for example, post-traumatic stress, bullying, uh, depression, etc., and re- building relationships. So that's equine-assisted therapy. Okay. Equine-assisted, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, so a- as you can see, it requires a qualified person to actually work with the horse or the horse person to deliver that particular outcome and service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Equal assisted learning, on the other hand, is lesser known and it uses the similarities between horses and humans as a way to teach communication and relationship skills. So horses are, are a herd animal, they're a prey animal, and they give you honest and immediate feedback. So they mirror our emotions. And as such, they can be powerful teachers to us if we we stop and listen. So equine-assisted learning can be delivered in either a structured way or an unstructured way. A structured way is where you have goals, you have activities, and you have learning outcomes. This could include activities like grooming or lunging, uh, groundwork, etc. The other way is the learner-led program and that is that the learner works with the horse and together they reach a conclusion or a learning outcome. So one is facilitator-led and one Mm -hmm. is learner-led. Okay, okay. It's actually been in existence um, for for decades, uh, equine-assisted learning, but it's just not as well-known or as Mm well-researched as the Mm equine-assisted therapies. Now, I really want to get into this, but before I even do that, because I'm sure it's going to be relevant, your favourite quote. Tell us a little bit about that, and then we're going to find out how you actually got into this whole area of equine-assisted learning. Okay, so my quote relates, if you like, exactly to what I do, uh, which is developing leadership capability through equine-assisted learning. So my quote is, a leader's role is to create an environment 
where others can perform at their best. Yes. And for me, that has application not only to people but to horses. So as a passionate horse person, it is up to each and every one of us to create an environment where our horse can also perform at their best. Yep. Yep, that makes sense. I'm just writing that down because I, I enjoy that one. Yeah, yeah. Now, Helen, this whole equine-assisted learning, tell us how you got into it. You know, was this something that you did when you were young, something that you got into later? Because you've got a business background, haven't you? Just tell us how the two came together. You've got a horse background. And I think this is really good because I often talk to people about bringing in, they don't necessarily have to work specifically working with horses every day. But if you can combine a couple of occupations, it makes it really unique. It gives you lots of options. And I think there's lots of new jobs being created, you know, whether it's within the horse industry or whether it's within another industry bringing in horses. So I'm really interested in the story of how you brought these two together. Fantastic. So I guess, um, like everyone, when I was young, I had always wanted a horse and I uh, I got my first horse at 11. I paid $80 for him myself. I saved up the money and he was uh, a little albino unbroken gelding and he was the love of my life and he was my best mate and I spent a lot of time with that horse. I I didn't have a saddle or a bridle and uh, I didn't have a saddle or a bridle for four years and um, this little horse, I rode him bareback everywhere and I was I was living in we were living in country Victoria that's where I grew up and I was out on a property and I didn't have any any friends around me so of course my horse became my mate and even to the degree that we used to play hide and seek together so we had a, a really great trust and relationship and since the age of eleven I've always had a horse in my life um, whether it's been um, a horse that has been on my husband, now husband's property. My husband and I are high school sweethearts, so his family had a farm where I kept my horse, which was which I was really lucky, um, right through to having, when we moved to the city, having to pay for adjustment for a horse, uh, right through to where we are now, and we have a property where we have five horses on hand. So I've always, always had horses, never into competition. So our horses, uh, the horses I've had have always been, been for pleasure, pleasure and passion, and it's something that, that I've always done, if you like, on weekends. So I've been a weekend lady rider uh, going up to the trails and riding around the mountains. As, and during that time too, as, as you said, I've had a corporate career. So over the past 30 years, I've been fortunate to work with some of Australia's big brands, such as MLC, West Farmers, and Nature's Own, the Coffee Club. And, and my career has been in human resources and learning and development. That's where my passion is. So in particular, developing leadership development programs, and that's where a lot of my time has been spent during my career. In 2015, I was, was on the lookout for another horse. I particularly like quarter horses. I like the fact that they're generally uh, pretty passive and predictable. And I had a quarter horse, Billy, and he was a little bit too placid and predictable for me. I was looking for something with a little bit more challenge, and I was uh, looking at Gumtree. I think most people know what Gumtree is, mm-hmm. the, the online sales platform. And I was looking at Gumtree going for, for a horse going, oh, you know, there's got to be one here for me. And I was looking at this Gumtree every day. Um, and finally, I found a horse. And when I saw this photo of this horse on Gumtree, it was love at first sight. But there was a problem. It was too expensive for my budget. And he was located uh, in another state. He was located in New South Wales and I'm located in Queensland. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, it's not to be. But as you do, you keep on looking at this particular photo. And he was on there for about a month. And every day I would look at him on Gumtree going, oh, that's my horse. I absolutely coveted that horse. But he was sold to someone else. So I continued to search for another horse for the next six months. I went to horse sales. I went to auctions, horse deal magazines, Gumtree, you name it. And six months later, would you believe it, my horse reappeared on Gumtree. Wow. It was the same photo. It was the same horse. Mm. And not only that, he was only 20 minutes away from me <sighs> and and his price was reduced by half. Wow. Wow. Meant, I mean, I thought, this is fate. This is fate. <laughs> I have to have this horse. So within 48 hours, I had met him. I took him for a test ride. 
uh, with his new owner, who happened to be a horse dealer. We'll get into that in a moment. And, of course, I bought him. I knew I was going to buy him from the moment I saw him <laughs> reappear on Gumtree. So he was a beautiful-looking horse, a bright, part-bred chestnut. Uh, he was a quarter horse, mm-hmm. uh, quarter horse, part quarter horse. Uh, he had two white socks and a white, uh, fine white blaze down the middle of his face, and he was just beautiful. So it was all new relationships. I was smitten. I loved this horse. But alas, as with all new relationships, it didn't last. The, the uh, euphoria, initial euphoria did not yep. last. Yep. We had huge problems, mm. huge problems. Mm. I was wondering why the price had dropped by half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know why. Yes, yes, yeah. Look, a number of times I fell off, he bucked me off, Mm -hmm. and that's a huge blow to the ego. I haven't ridden for over 35 years, you know, to to be bucked off. Mm -hmm. He kicked, and I was starting to become really really afraid, really scared of this horse. Mm -hmm. My dream horse had turned into an utter, utter nightmare. And it became very apparent then, Glennis, why the price <laughs> on this horse had reduced, you know, and, and ended up in the hands of a horse dealer. Yep. You know, he had problems. So what could I do? Now, with a long career in human resources, I've counseled managers many, many times on what action to take on if their employees are not performing, mm-hmm. what can they do? Okay. And my philosophy was that I would not start the exit process unless Hand on heart, we had done the best we could to help that person succeed in their role. Okay. If this was not successful, then only then would I start the process of exiting a person from the business. Mm -hmm. So I had to apply it to my circumstances. (laughs) I knew that if I sold Twinkle Toes on, he would end up either hurting someone or be sent to the knackery where he'd be turned, obviously turned into dog Sure, yep. So I was in a bit of a quandary, what to do. And this is where fate intervened. My husband and I were, were visiting far north Queensland and we were having a conversation with a fellow up there, an 88-year-old gentleman we knew called Fred. And, and Fred was always interested in my horse exploits and a shared issue I was having. And um, Fred said, oh, I've got something that might help. Here, take these DVDs. My grandson's into natural horsemanship and this is what he does. It might help. I went, oh, Okay. So I took the the DVDs from Fred and when we got home, I played them and was absolutely blown away. So this horse trainer could not only communicate with horses, but he was such a fabulous communicator with humans. He broke everything down. He explained what to do. He explained how horses think and why they behaved in certain ways. And this horse psychology, as you know, is the basis of natural horsemanship. So I was exposed to natural horsemanship. And this person was a gentleman called Clinton Anderson. Oh, well, that was pretty and, good grandson, uh, pretty good um, person yeah, for you to meet yeah. and get some DVDs, yeah. Absolutely, fact, yeah. We know his grandfather, Fred, is a lovely gentleman. And uh, so Clinton Anderson, with him down under horsemanship, um, had the expertise that I needed. So I was watching his DVDs. I was learning so much. And Clinton's approach spoke a lot about leadership with horses and the need to be a leader and how dangerous it was if the horse took over the leadership role in a relationship. And that was where I was at. Mm. The horse with the little twinkle toes. I understood. And this context, the way he explained it, I understood it immediately. I thought, I've been delivering and overseeing and sourcing leadership programs in my work for more than 25 years. I knew how important great leadership was in the work context, how it can have an impact on organisations and individuals. But I never made the connection between leadership in the workplace and leadership with horses and listening to Clinton, I'm going, oh, I get it now. I, I need to apply what I'm doing in the workplace to my relationship with my horse. So I worked daily, diligently on, on the techniques that the Down Under Horsemanship methodology was sharing. And after three months of, of me being the leader and me displaying the leadership behaviour that a horse understands, I had a new horse. It was like suddenly... I'd been speaking English to my horse and he only understood French. And once mm. I learned French, we had this great relationship. And he is now the best horse I have. He is safe. He's reliable. And I, I just can't believe the change in this particular horse 
which was really as a consequence of the change in me. I had to change. I had to change what I was doing. And because I created a different environment with this horse, he was able to be the best horse he could be. And, um, and he's my star. I love him so much. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. It's a good story, isn't it? That's good. You know, not only did the horse end up with a long-term home, but you learned about stuff. And, and that sort of gave you the idea then to start this whole leadership, communication, relationship, and introduce the horses. That's that, is that why the horses are perfect for leadership development? Tell us a little bit about why why you've chosen horses. Is that because of that incident? And look, mm. it is, it is. Mm. And, and listening and learning, and, and I'm a, a lifelong learner and I listen, you know, if not daily, at least two or three times a week to podcasts, horse podcasts, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. YouTube, et cetera. And I've, I've just learned so much and I can't believe how ignorant I was. Um, and I still, I, I don't class myself as, as a horse person. I'm primarily a leadership development and my relationship with horses uh, is evolving every day. So I've learned so much about horses and why they're so perfect for developing leadership skills. So horses, for example, are a very, very sensitive animal. They're a prey animal. And as a consequence, they're always on the lookout for that lion or that wolf that's just around the corner or in those bushes. I'm sure everyone who rides knows exactly what I mean yes. there. That, because they're on the lookout. They're, they're a prey animal. They're on the lookout all the time to something that's going to eat them. Mm. So as a consequence, they've got really highly developed senses. So, for example, their ears, they've got these beautiful big ears. So these horses have great ears, so obviously they can they can hear danger. But from a personal perspective, when you're interacting with a horse, they can hear your heartbeat. And if your heartbeat is racing, ka-thump, 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 the horse is going, oh, hang on, your heart is racing, you're nervous. Oh, there must be a lion around here somewhere. If my human is nervous, they hear your breathing. So if you if you hold your breath around a horse, that says to the horse, there's danger. Anyone that's been riding on a horse knows that if they hear a rustle in the bush, if you're out riding and there's a kangaroo, the first thing the horse does is he holds his breath. <gasps> he just yeah. stays still. So if you're around a horse and you hold your breath or have a gasp, you're actually saying to the horse, oh, there's danger here. I'm holding my breath. So... So they can hear your breathing. They can hear your heartbeat. So just being aware of your breath and the impact that has on a horse. Their nose, they've got these, they've got an enormous nose. They smell you. There's the saying, horses can smell your fear. Let me tell you, that is so true. Horses do smell your fear. So we let off, a, 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 obviously, pheromones. And let me give you, if I can share some research for you. Sure. With you. Yes, please. Um, so... There was some research, and this is a human human uh, example, but it had transposes across to the horse example. So Stony Brook University in the US did some research. They had a group of people, and they put them under two levels of stress. One level of stress was a physical stress, and they got this group of people to walk on a treadmill, and they put sweat pads under these people's armpits and collected the sweat pads afterwards. Then that same group of people they put under a psychological stress, and they took them up in an aeroplane and, and made them jump out with a, with a parachute, let me add. <laughs> and they had, they had uh, again, sweat pads under their arms for that. So the scientists then took these two groups of sweat pads and they put a second group of people through an FRMI machine, uh, a brain imaging machine. Okay. And they put through, uh, the, they had going through there the smell of the sweat pads with the physical exertion, i.e. on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. And there was no difference in the, in the brainwaves of those people in the FRMI machine. They then swapped it over and they put in there the, the sweat and the smell from the psychological stress. And interestingly, the FRMI brain waves showed that the patterns were similar to the, with those people experiencing that stress. So mm. what happened is the people in the FRMI were showing same, the same brain waves as yep. if they were actually jumping out of an airplane. Yep. So how are they doing that? Through their pheromones, through their smell. So bearing in mind, we've got little nostrils. You know, our mm. sense of smell isn't mm. all that great. If you look at a horse and you look at the size of his nostrils, no wonder he can smell our fear. 
Yes, that's interesting research, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and very relevant and look, there's, to there's horses. Been, yeah. There's been more research done on that in Europe since that, so there are some studies out there if you'd like to search it, or I can provide some links for you um, that you can put on your web page yeah, as well. That would be great. But, we'll yeah, put it I'm, at the bottom of your page, so it'll be horsechats.com slash Helen Rogerson, and we'll put those links at the bottom of the page, so that'll be really good. Thanks, Helen. Fantastic. The other thing that the horses have is they have excellent eyesight mm-hmm. because, of course, it's part of their safety mechanism. They can see the slightest movement a mile away. So, of course, they can see the slightest movement in you. They know where you're looking. They, they can sense the subtle difference in your shoulders being forward or back. They sense through their eyes, they see exactly what your body is telling them. And you might even not realise the messages that your body is giving a horse, but you're mes- you are messaging the horse all the time with your body. Um, if I give you an example of one of our horses, Miss Molly, she's our smallest horse. She's uh, a little pony, 10 hands high, mm-hmm. and she's our oldest horse as well. She's around about 25 years old. And, and one day I, um, I was on my way into the office and I had my high heels on and I'm going out the driveway and we all know this experience. Oh, shit, the horse rug is fallen off or yeah, it's, yeah, know, come yeah, loose. Something needs, something needs so, to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I pulled up at the end of the driveway, went into her paddock in my high heels and, you know, my, my corporate suit <laughs> and went up to her and she ran away from me. I'm going, oh, my God, she never <laughs> runs away. Why is she running away from me? And so I thought, oh, I can't walk through this paddock with these high heels on. I was sinking into the grass. You know, these were uh, one and a half inch high heels. So I yep. took my high heels off and I walked towards her and she stood still and <laughs> enabled me to fix the rug on yes. her. And during my drive into town, I reflected on that and I realised the difference was my body language, high heels changes your body posture. Mm-hmm. So by taking off my high heels, it changed me into a less, if you like, a less strong message or a, a less assertive message. And she was comfortable with that. But as soon as I put my heels on, she goes, no, nah, you're not coming near me. It was a really interesting example of the impact that your shoes, you don't even know what your shoes can have on your relationship with your horse. I actually even noticed that I've got a pair of um, uh, a pair of shoes with a Cuban heel. I actually don't wear them in the paddock because she picks that to wear my flat R.M. Williams in the paddocks. Yep. Yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely amazing. Because bearing in mind too that being the smallest horse and the slowest horse, she's the one that's going to get eaten first. Mm. So she has a really highly attuned, uh, mm, mm. attuned um, skills in, in looking at, at the, the environment and predicting what might be a danger to her. Yep. So, yep. so these, these sorts of senses make horses fantastic for providing instant biofeedback to a person so that if you're standing there and you're portraying or you're asking, you're making a request <laughs> and the horse is looking at you going, no, well, hang on, I, I don't believe in you or that's not solid enough or you're not my leader, um, they're not going to take any notice of you. And it could be a simple matter of adjusting your body language. And it, and that leads, I guess, into why horses want a leader. So horses are a herd animal and they naturally seek a leader. So we know we all know that horses have a pecking order and I've listened to some of the interviews that you've, you've had on your series about the pecking order in, in horses. So if I, if I can give you an example of, say, a herd of horses, the, the leader is usually, as we know, usually an older mare, a more experienced mare, and it's her role to actually, if you like, keep order. Um, if, yes. if someone is misbehaving, she'll eject them from a herd and put them, I say she puts them in the naughty corner for a period of time, <laughs> she ejects them, puts them out on their own, yep. uh, and she allows them back in. She's the one that takes them to the best feed, etc. So she's the leader. Now, in a herd of, of say, 10 horses, she's the leader, and at the very bottom of the pecking order, you have horse number 10. Now, horse number 10 would love to be the leader, but he knows he can't do that. So what he does, though, is he wants to get up the pecking order. So he has a has a tussle with horse number nine because he thinks, oh, I might just be able to get one place up the, up the pecking order. So you'll find that horse number nine and horse number 10 may have a tussle to see who is worthy to be a leader. Because don't forget, with, with the horses in a herd, they have to have a worthy leader because that leader keeps them safe, mm. keeps them fed, yes. keeps yes. them healthy. So they're testing that leadership every day. 
just as horse number one is being tested by horse number two on the pecking order every day, horse number two is testing horse number one. Are you still a leader? Are you healthy enough? Are you wise enough? Are you going to be our leader today? And that horse number one has to demonstrate her leadership back to horse number two. If she doesn't, then horse number two takes over leadership. And this is what happens in our relationships with the horse is that where there's just you and the horse, the horse is going, okay, are you a worthy leader for me today? Are you going to keep me safe? Are you going to look after me? And I have people that say, oh, look, that happens in my workplace all the time too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a tussle for uh, which position you are in the pecking mm, order. Mm, mm. But the horse is, is constantly testing you to see if you are a worthy leader. And if he believes that you're not a worthy leader, then he takes over leadership. He takes control of the relationship. And that's when bad things happen. That's when he can bite. That's when he kicks. That's when he takes control. He goes in whatever direction and does whatever he wants to do. So just like in the workplace, you need to have some control over what your people are doing. You need to have some control over what your horse is doing. You need to be a leader for that horse. And if you're not a leader for that horse, he takes over leadership and that's when the relationship can become dangerous and that's where fear sets in. And that's what happened to me. Twinkletoes became the leader in the relationship. I was afraid. So I had to learn how to become a leader, how to take over leadership in that relationship. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats. Com. I'm just thinking about that name, Twinkle Toes. You know, it doesn't. <laughs> it just um, the problems that you had. It just had the wrong name to get started. Almost like a, a bit of a joke. We'll just call him Twinkle Toes because uh, then that way well, someone might buy him. Yeah. Well, I have to give you a, a little bit of a, an inside story here. So, mm-hmm. my husband is an ex-farmer, and every one of our animals has an alter ego in okay. our property. Yep. And um, not every horse that comes to our property with a name ends up with that name and Twinkletoes is one of them. So okay. to protect to protect the um, the people involved, Twinkletoes wasn't his original name. <laughs> he had a, he had another original name, but within a couple of months, my husband had renamed him Twinkletoes because he said, oh, he's just your favourite now, isn't he? And he's, he'll, he gets around with his little um, <laughs> little feet because he tries to please all the time and, and he, he has these white socks that just show off his feet movement. And he says, he's just a real little twinkle toes, isn't he? And that name stuck, little twinkle toes is his <laughs> official name now. And and it's because that suits his personality. He wasn't a twinkle toes when we got him, he was something else. He's so, good. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I can also share to you what his human alter ego is that my husband yeah, I, I think my husband's <laughs> right whole book. So, so Twinkle Toes, um, my husband says, look, Twinkle Toes comes from a privileged family. He's a, a little smart ass and he went to Tim's Top College down at Geelong Grammar and um, he knows everything and he thinks he's cleverer than everyone else. And in fact, he is. This horse is, and this is why I had so many problems because this is the cleverest horse I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's probably too clever for me. He, he learns things so quickly. He picks up things so quickly and he is, he's highly intelligent, highly clever. So, yeah, he was educated at, at uh, Geelong Grammar and went to Timbertop. So that's his background. All right. We'll go back to the um, core skill. We're going to ask you a bit about, you know, thinking about horses being natural leaders or people. You know, people will often say, oh, that person is a natural leader, even kids at kindergarten and at school and natural mm-hmm. leaders. But you know, you're trying to bring people in to teach them about leadership through horses. What what sort of case studies or something that, that people have come in? I think you said you've got one about a COO who came in. But yeah, I, is there a story there? Yeah. So I guess it's probably important just to preface. So I have a particular model that I follow and it's got 10 elements. And the very okay. – the, the most important element of that is self-leadership. Now, I've got to interrupt there because those 10 elements, you're coming back to talk to us about those 10 elements, aren't you? Yeah. So if someone's yep, interested in those 10 elements, you've got to listen to the next podcast that Helen does because it'll be on those 10 elements. So, yes, if you briefly mention them now, that's fine, but we can talk about them in a bit more detail a bit later on. Sure. Mm. So the 10 elements... Um, for the for developing leadership capability, and they apply either to a a manager employer relationship, or they apply to a horse human relationship. Is context, self leadership, task, team, individual, 
trust, confidence, communication, respect, and last of all, consistency. So when we're working with horses, one of the, the, the area that we start off with always is self-leadership because you cannot lead others without leading yourself. And the very first component of that is being self-aware. So we work, we spend a lot of time initially building self-awareness. Now, bearing in mind that the horse will reflect back to you what you are reflecting out to the horse. So if you give an example, as you said, you're looking for an example. So I had a group of, I had an executive team from an organisation attend. And one of the activities was, uh, I feel like a lunging activity, getting the horse to go around in a circle for you, then to stop to change direction and go back the other way. So if you communicate clearly and confidently, then the horses will do that for you. Obviously, I coach through the skills and what to actually do. And I had this COO, and we're working with Miss Molly. Now, Miss Molly is the smallest, and people misjudge her. They think, oh, she's the smallest, she's the easiest to work with. But I use her on purpose, particularly when I'm working with the C-suite executive, because you can't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. Miss Molly is actually the hardest horse we have to work with. And and she reads people quickly. As I said to you before, she picked my my body language with my shoes. Yes. Um, And she's very perceptive. And so everyone was able to get Miss Molly to do to do this particular task for them, except one person. That was the chief operating officer, and Miss Molly just wouldn't move for him. She just stood there, and I'm thinking, oh, shippers, what's going on here? So I went up to him and spoke quietly to him, away from everyone else, and mm. I said, oh, there's something going on here. Miss Molly isn't doing this for you. Miss, Miss Molly doesn't believe that you're a leader. There's something going on here. Do you believe you're a leader? And he actually looked at me and said, no. He said, I'm not. I went, ah, oh, mm. Okay. So this was a chief operating officer who was yeah. responsible for a huge group of people who did not believe that he was a worthy leader. Mm-hmm. So what happened, of course, is Miss Molly knew that by the by the sense that he was getting out, that he wasn't in the leader. So she's going, no, stuff you. I'm just going to stand here. I'm not going to do what you want to do. You're not going to make me. Because she picked that in him, but mm. she picked that in him through she was so astute at reading his body language. She was reading the cues. So don't forget, if horses are reading our body language, so are people in the workplace. Yes. So he was giving out, he didn't know this message that he wasn't a worthy leader. So we had a bit of a conversation. We had a bit of a conversation about changing the way he thinks. And then we did some work with his body positioning. So as soon as he changed his mindset and changed his body positioning, it was incredible. Miss Molly did exactly what he asked. Mm. But it took that change in his mindset. So that self-awareness is what I'm thinking, I'm giving out. And, and that... That was a, a fantastic example of the power of a horse to reflect back to you your thoughts and you're reflecting to the horse through your body language, through cues you don't even know about and they're going, okay, well, this is how I read you. Um, and that, that great example, great example. And, of course, you know, it was a great achievement for him because once he got Miss Molly moving, he went, oh, well, I am a worthy leader. So that then changes his mindset so that when he goes back into the workplace, he understands he has to have a leader mindset in order to get the respect of his of his team to, to get the results that he needs for his business. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, you know, just the body language that he would then have going back into the workplace as well. Did you follow up? Was there a change afterwards? Was there, you know, if we sort of Got anything there? No, look, I, I, I didn't follow up with him, but can I give you another example where I did, where yeah, I do please, know what happened yeah. to a particular lady? Yeah. 
So in this particular media, I ran a, a, a one-day workshop um, for a, an organisation as part of their Women in Leadership program. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes an organisation will say, oh, can you just run this one-day workshop as part of our you know, ongoing leadership? So I had a group of ladies out and I only take up to eight people at once, so it's very personal um, workshops. And I had this, this lady and uh, I knew a little bit about her before because the manager had told me that she's very aggressive in the workplace. She comes across very aggressive. Okay. But yep. she was on this yep. leadership program because they saw potential in her. So... The the activity, similar activity with with getting uh, one of the horses to go around in a circle, and this time it was Twinkle Toes. Now Twinkle Toes is not only quarter horse; he is actually part Arab as well, and that is ind- indicative of why he's so clever and why he is so sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found out just later on that you know it explains explains a lot. Yes, and he is beautiful at reading cues from people. So. He, he went beautifully for, for the, the ladies that went before her. He, they were communicating really clearly. He then got to, and let's call her Amy. He got to Amy and suddenly he took off around the arena and I thought he was going to kill someone. <laughs> it, it, was, it was actually dangerous. I had to shut the exercise down um, immediately. And I was like, what's going on here? So I went up to Amy and I said, oh, you know, Amy, he's, he's got a lot of energy. He's He's going really fast. What what's happening? Tell me about what's going on. And she said, "Oh, I knew he was going to do that. You know, I'm just knew that he was going to take off." And I said, "Okay, well, let's work on your energy. This is the energy that you're giving off." She was standing up really aggressively, her shoulders back, whatever. I said, "Look, we need to work on bringing your energy down so you're less aggressive because he's reading off your energy. He's responding to that, and that's why he's going so fast because he doesn't feel safe with you. Mm. He actually wants to get away from you." So we had a, we worked on pulling down her energy. So things like dropping the shoulders slightly, where she was looking, instead of aggressively looking at the horse's eyes, which is an aggressive um, stance. It's also also with humans, you know, you you don't go head on in a conversation with someone. It's very aggressive. We worked on where where she's to look, her body language, her position, and even her tone of voice. And once we worked on that, she actually was able to bring down her energy. And she said, Oh, I understand now. I understand the energy I'm getting off can be actually construed as being too full on, and it was. And she now had had a way to actually bring her energy down, bring her body language down to a way that the horse went, okay, I feel comfortable. But not only the horse, people she worked with felt comfortable around her rather than feeling afraid. So this was a great transference. And the best thing was that six months later, she got a promotion. And I look at that and go, oh, my God. She would never have got the promotion if she had continued being aggressive in the workplace. But because she was able to control her aggression and reduce that down to be assertive, not aggression, and oftentimes the fine line between being assertive and being aggressive, um, she was able to, her manager was able to move her up into into another role. And that's a great example. So, So I love stories like that. I love it where, you know, you can make a real difference to, to someone's, understanding of themselves and that's mm, what a horse mm. does it's not me telling the person it's a horse getting instant feedback about okay i feel safe with you or yes you're a clear communicator i, I even have an activity where we slow down people's heart rates we, we put on heart rate monitors on their wrist yeah, yeah. and we actually work on slowing the heart rate down and we we compare what that does to the horse because slowing your heart rate down has an impact on the horse which the mm-hmm. horse will show in physical ways yep. so it demonstrates how you have to become, and that's a concept called emotional contagion, mm-hmm. uh, coined by Daniel Goleman, is that emotions are contagious. And there's a lot of research into mirror neurons um, in, in relation to that. But horses are highly sensitive animals and they are impacted by your emotions. Just as in the workplace, if your boss comes in and he's in a shitty mood or she's in a shitty mood, she's going to infect everyone around her by emotional contagion. Horses are a great example of emotional contagion because they reflect back to you. If you're in a bad mood, keep away from your horse because <laughs> you're going to project that energy and they yep. will project it back to you. And it'll get to a stage where you're going, why aren't you doing anything right today? Well, stop, look at yourself. What are you contributing to to this relationship, to this situation? Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I'm just thinking about, you know, the whole work, the environment and everything else. Is it the horses that is the best thing? Is it the improvement in the people? You know, I'm just thinking, what's your proudest moment within your, your workplace? What do, is it this? Is it the improvement? Look, I'm, 
Yeah, I, I love seeing people grow because, as I said at the very start, I set myself out as a my passion is leadership development, and I do that with horses. So primarily, I'm a leadership development expert. I'm not a horse expert, but I use my horses, our horses, uh, to help facilitate and mm-hmm. help guide. So I love seeing people grow. I love seeing people. At the start of the day, they come in and they're nervous and they're uncertain, and I see them at the end of the day, and and you can tell they're confident, they're standing up straighter. Um, One of the activities that that we get them to do, some groups do, it depends on on what the organisation wants. One of the activities is picking up the horse's feet, Mm -hmm. and and that is overcoming barriers to fear. That's a huge trust exercise. And to see people at the end of the day when they've picked up the horse's feet, after they've built that relationship during the day and see how 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 happy they are, how how proud they are that they've achieved something that earlier in the day, if I had asked them first up, this, you know, do you want to pick up horses' feet? They would have went, no way, because horses keep, they're dangerous. But at the end of the day, through a process of, of building a relationship, of building their confidence, of building trust, you push people out of their comfort zone. It's like, yeah, I can achieve anything. So, so for me, you know, that's the human side of it. But... I guess my I love going up into the paddock now with little twinkle toes, and I just love the fact that I'm able to get him to circle around me, to lunge around me in the paddock with no rope, to do as I ask. I ask him to go around, I ask him to go faster, I ask him to come into me, and he does it because he wants to, yep. not because I'm making it. He does it in his environment, in his paddock. When he could run away to the furthest corner, this little horse trusts me now. He'd obviously been mistreated as well. I didn't talk about that. You know, he was... He wasn't trusting at all. You couldn't touch his face. You couldn't pick up his feet. There was a whole heap of things that you couldn't do with him. Bear in mind, I fell in love with him because of his looks, lesson there. <laughs> but, you know, he, he'd obviously been abused because he'd been owned by people who didn't know natural horsemanship. Once mm-hmm. he knew his language, it, it changed. So for him now to have that trust in me and for him also to let strangers that he's only met at the start of the day pick up his feet when... I first got him, the farrier had to twitch him to put shoes on him. To me, that's fantastic because that says that, that not only do I make a difference in people, but I'm a, I've made a difference in this horse's life because he now trusts people and he knows that people aren't going to hurt him. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's that's my achievement there too. I love that. Yep. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look horsechats.com. And you've told us about Twinkle Toes and Miss Molly and their different personalities. Yeah. What are the other horses you use? Is it important to have different personalities? You know, I mean, obviously they've got to be quiet. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they are. And it's a criteria of mine that the horses have to be quiet to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't just have to be quiet to ride. So my latest horse, I call him Julian. I bought him from a, a young girl. He didn't have a, she didn't have a name for him. She bought him from the sale yards. And she sold him on because he bucked. So Julian is a Palomino, and I've named him Julian after Julian Assange because if you look at photos <laughs> of Julian Assange, without the beard, they're very similar. Okay. Um, but I, I got Julian – she told me Julian cheap because he bucked on her, and he was a horse. He's a Palomino. He's only about 13 too. He's a good height for people not to be afraid of because I've got to think about some people are afraid of big horses, but mm. some bigger horses as well. But Julian – but so the issue with Julian when he first came was he actually had a lack of respect for people, and okay. that's why he bucked. Um, so he's a very pushy horse, a very demanding horse. He has no manners. He had no manners. And so the biggest thing to gain respect is getting a horse to move out of your space, to get out of your body space, and that's to make them go backwards. The other sign that Julian had no respect was that he was very vocal. Um, he was a very vocal horse, so he would neigh all the time. And I was, I was wondering about this and I listened to a really good podcast by um, Julie Goodwin on voc- horse vocalisation. Mm-hmm. And she actually says that a horse that talks all the time can actually um, be a very disrespectful horse because what he's saying to you, you think it's cute. And I used, I must admit, I used to think it was cute before I listened to this podcast and, you know, when the horse goes, <laughs> You know, you bring up the feed or whatever, and they go, <laughs> go oh, isn't it gorgeous? He loves me. Uh, it's not you, it's the feed. But anyway, but in fact, Julie said that that's a horse's demand, say, come here, 
<laughs> and she says, mares do a similar sound to their to their foals, and the foals come up, you know, kids come here. Yes. So yeah. when a horse does that to you, the horse actually saying, come here. And Julian used to do that all the time because he believed that he was in control of the relationship, that we were here for him. And it was actually quite interesting that the vocalisation um, was always, come here to me, come here to me. So I worked with him quite a lot on you know, using natural horsemanship skills, et cetera. And he's nowhere near as vocal now. He's not as demanding. He also backs out of my space. He's a much more respectful horse. And I can also ride him without him bucking. But that respect had to start on the ground before I got into the saddle because respect starts at, on the ground. Sure. You can't yep. get in a saddle and expect respect from mm-hmm. your horse. So his bucking was because he had no respect for people because he was he was the leader, so to speak. Um, and he didn't want anyone else to be the leader. And it, it showed, as I said, it showed in his behaviour in that he was very pushy in your space, but it also showed in his vocalisation and crying out all the time. Um, yeah, which, as I said, I, every day for me is a learning day with horses. So that was a whole <laughs> new learning experience, knowing learning about their vocalisation and what their, their different sounds mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's... He, He's got quarter horse in him. Um, as I said, all my quarter horses, all my horses have got quarter horse cross except our pony. Uh, we have Billy. Um, Billy is a purebred quarter horse. He's really reliable. He's the horse that day in day out, he's just the same. Mm-hmm. You can leave him in a paddock for six months, throw the saddle on, and he's wonderful. He's just really reliable. But he suffers terribly from separation anxiety. He's very, you know, he he wants to be around either a horse or a person all the time. But, but he's great because when people are working with him, he reflects back how calm they are. So he'll drop his head, he'll lift a foot, um, you know, he'll, and he gives a person an instant message if they're calm. Because he is so social, if they're uptight, he reflects that back to them as well. Mm-hmm. So he's great for that purpose. And then we've got my husband's horse called Big Buddy, and he's our biggest horse. He's 16 too. He's called a horse thoroughbred. And Big Buddy is the boss of the property. He's, uh, he's the one that believes all the humans here belong to him and no one else. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, he's always confident. It doesn't matter what he's never, I don't think he's ever been mistreated in his life, this horse. And the lady we bought him off years ago cried when we were driving out the driveway with him on a float and she actually bred him. So this is a horse that's been loved and it comes through in his personality. So when people are around him, because he's so huge, but he's so calm, people just feel a sense of, oh, he's going to look after me. Yes. He's going to be okay. He's not flighty, which is incredible considering he's got thoroughbred in his genetics, but he's just so calm and he just gives that sense of calmness. And you ask him to do something, he goes, okay. <laughs> and again, he, he's a horse that you can leave for a while and pull out of the paddock and throw a, a saddle on it and he's great. Um, but he's just got a beautiful calming effect on him there each horse has a different personality and it's wonderful sometimes we do what's known as a disc behavioral profile and we use the horses as examples of where people sit on the disc profile a disc profile is okay, something that's good you've got a good range help yeah yeah to help help understand relationships in the workplace and why people do things in a certain way mm-hmm. so again we can work with the horses you know in a safe environment because you've got to be one of the big things about trying out new skills in the work environment is people will go, well, that's terrible, well, that's not working, or they're going, I'm resigning. Whereas you try it out on, on a horse, he's just going to go, well, this isn't working, he's just going to stand there, or he's going to walk away from you. He's not going to resign from the position, he's not going to give you a hard time. Um, so it's a really safe environment for people to operate in when, when they're working in an equine assisted learning situation. Yeah. But I, I'm, you can probably guess by my conversation, I'm very structured. Mm-hmm. Um, my learning always has an outcome. It's it's always for a purpose. So it is facilitator led with objectives and outcomes rather than learner led about what are we going to learn today. So yep. so that's my niche. It's it's facilitator led equine assisted learning, particularly in the leadership space. Mm-hmm. That, that's mm-hmm. what I specialise in, and I, I love what I do. I'm just so lucky <laughs> to be at a stage in my life where I've drawn together. Um, my passions, which is helping people grow as leaders and working with horses. I'm just thinking about your biggest challenge. Now, money aside, because that's always a problem, but what's been your biggest challenge on your way to where you are now 
and also, too, how have you overcome it? You know, what can we learn from where you are? You know, maybe there's one of our listeners that says, look, I'm interested in starting this, but so that people come in and they've got a little bit of an idea of what they're getting into, what's been yeah. your biggest challenge? A couple of things. One mm. thing has been the website. Oh, my God. I spent Technology. three months. Yep. On, oh. <laughs> I, and, yep. you know, I'm, I'm this sort of person who believes I can do anything. and Give me a go. I can yep. do it. Yep. So I thought, ah, you know, how easy is Wix? Oh, my God. The computer kept on crashing. <laughs> and something that should have taken me a week took me three months. And that really got me down yep. because in this day and age, you know, you've got to have an online presence. Yes. So if I was doing it differently now, I'd just hire someone to do it. Mm-hmm. That's their mm-hmm. expertise, not mine. So for me, that was a huge issue, uh, the technology side of it. An issue that I have too is that people think that it's just playing with horses, that what I do is just yes. playing with horses. Yes. They don't understand, well, actually, it's so much more than playing with horses. And even people that have been on workshops, you know, I had a, a young lady fly up from Melbourne for a workshop and I said to her at the start of it, she's part of a group, um, you know, what do you hope to get out of today? And she said, oh, I don't get why we're here. I don't get this horse and leadership thing. And at the end of the day, it was fantastic. She said, oh, I absolutely now understand. So oftentimes there's a problem in people understanding exactly the power of working with horses and how this can benefit them. I think it's just a, if you like, it's just an event. It's yeah. just a fun day out and I'm really not going to learn anything, but I, hey, I get to power horse. Well, it's a little more than that. And that, that perception that it's just playing with horses is a really difficult one for me to overcome and that's something I'm working on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it education that you're working? You know, is it just a matter of educating people to say, look, it's just not, it's a bit more than a fun day out? It's, it's learning in a different Absolutely. environment. Yeah. Look, look, it is. And I guess the other thing is we've got to think about credibility. So whatever we do, it needs some credibility behind it. This field is is fairly new. Mm. Experiential learning itself isn't new. Experiential learning has been around for a long time. But again, experiential learning in the corporate space is still not as as adopted as it should be because people want training that's either now online or it's delivered in the in the conference room at the location. Yep. Um, so yeah, look, just bring someone in run a workshop on site. It's easy. We don't have to worry about transport, et cetera, for people. So so there is still a push against experiential learning, which we know is the best way of learning because you engage all the senses Yes. uh, as well as going, oh, this horse thing. And it is a novel thing. It's different. It's it's innovative. There's not a lot out there. Equine-assisted therapy, people often get get confused with equine-assisted therapy and they think, oh, so you you do... counseling you help people out with this and I don't actually know that's not what I do there are lots of people out there that do that but that's not my speciality I'm not a counsellor I'm not a psychologist Um, I operate in the leadership space and and that's where my qualifications and my experience are so people also getting confused with equine assisted learning as opposed to equine assisted um, therapy or facilitation yep 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 all right now when people first come to you you know, and you come in, you might have a group of people that you haven't seen yet. Yep. Not been told about them necessarily. You might have eight people come yep. in from a business. The business says, right, well, let's just do this. What's the most common thing? Is it that they're scared of horses or what, what is it that is the most common and how do you overcome it, you know, within this whole space of equine-assisted learning? Yes, it is fear. Mm-hmm. It is fear. Does um, that reflect in their fear of themselves in fear in other things? Is it like they'll show it as fear with horses, but is that fear in other areas as well? So, look, generally it's come from either a previous experience or because they've never been around a horse and they see it as a big, scary animal. Mm. So it's fear of the unknown. So as with anything, the way you get over that is education. The more education and knowledge you have, then you overcome that fear. So... It's not fear within themselves. I've worked with a couple of managers too who are on the spectrum um, and that's really, really interesting. They have no fear if, if they're on the Asperger spectrum and, and that, can, that in itself, there's no fear, can be dangerous, really mm-hmm. dangerous yes. as well. Yes. 
So a little bit of little bit of fear and respect is a good thing, but the challenge is to get them get them through that fear. The the other question is, oh well, what am I going to learn? You know, mm, I, I can't okay. see, I don't know what I'm going to learn today. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh, I can't believe how much I learned mm. and how much I, I learned about myself too. Because remember, I said to you that leadership starts with yourself, and and that's where we focus a lot of the activities with self leadership before moving out into the other spectrum. Yep. So. So yes, it, yes, it's fear and helping people overcome fear through A, knowledge and B, experience, getting them to do things that push them out of their comfort zone, sets them up for the future because that means that when they go into another situation where they might be afraid, they think, hang on, look, if I can lift up a horse's foot or I can get a big animal to do X, Y, Z, then surely I can manage this situation. So particularly in workshops on building confidence for women, and I love those because you, know, you, you do have... Um, and women in leadership and women and confidence are two two big areas that I focus on. You have women come in that, and you see you see them when they as soon as they get out of the car, you can tell they they lack a lot of confidence. So it's okay. my goal to help build their confidence and give them the confidence to know they hey, look if you if you can do this, then you transpose that across to your workplace. We can do X, Y, Z, and and seeing having people give me feedback on oh look. Just Helen, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I tried this at work and it worked. Thank you. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's great. That's good, great. But good, good. look, I I love seeing people grow. I love seeing people learn something new. And it, you know, once I expand their brain, their brain can't go back to the same size. It's expanded forever. Yes, yes. And talk about expanding your brain. I understand you've got something pretty good that you're looking forward to in the future. Something that you're getting ready for. Yeah, yeah. So you, you can probably tell that I'm really passionate about this topic. Yep. I, I love this and so much so that I've, I've commenced a PhD uh, through University of New England on this particular topic of leadership and horses. So uh, it's a part-time PhD over the next next uh, six years. Yep. But it's really exciting because for me, I'm, I'm reading all of all the, the latest research I'm, I'm, you know, and I've shared some of the research with you. I'm learning about why this works. It's not just that it works. It's like, why does it work? What's the physiology? You know, what from a, a psychological aspect, also from a neuroscience aspect, you know, can I tell you that one of the reasons that people feel so good at the end of the day is because they're physically touching a horse. Mm-hmm. When you physically touch something, whether it's patting your dog or patting the horse or patting your cat, it helps release a a neurochemical called oxytocin, and that oxytocin makes us have that sense of love and care. It also helps us with trust. So just by getting out and touching a horse and patting a horse and putting your hands on an animal in itself creates new, new neuropathways in your brain, but it also releases oxytocin, which makes you feel great. So there's all of this science that I'm just so passionate about bringing together. Um, and so I'm really interested, actually, if there's anyone out there, and I hope you have a listener that will reach out to me who's really passionate about horse communication and may be an expert um, in horse handling and may be an expert in natural horsemanship who would love to have some conversations with me about what I see from a leadership perspective and neuroscience there and how that transposes across to what they see in the horse behaviour day to day. So if there's anyone out there who wants some conversations with me about this, I'd love to talk to you. I can talk to you about this forever. I'm and all those, so all those contact I'm, details will be on your page too. So just go to Horse Chats and uh, search for Helen fantastic. and you'll find that. Fantastic. Yeah. And I'm also writing a book. So I'm writing a book about those 10 elements, Good. Um, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. another time. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and and certainly let us know, you know, how you're going with the book and um, let us know as you release it as well. Okay. Thank you. All right. Now, before we go, in a few sentences, if you could sum up what you're doing with horses and into almost a lesson so people can just take it away. Okay. So what I'm doing with humans is helping build self-awareness and Mm -hmm. confidence and relationship skills by working with horses who provide honest, authentic, real-time feedback to you about how you present yourself, mm-hmm. who you are at that particular moment in time. So I help people at all levels in organisations, at any leadership level, become a better leader and okay. also learn a little bit about horses along the way. Perfect, perfect. 
All right. Now, Helen, how can people contact you? Though You know, I've already said they can do it through our website, horsechats.com, and search for Helen. But if they'd like to contact you, what's the best way? Okay. So there is my webpage, www.leadershipeq.com.au. And, of course, we know the EQ stands for equine. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way is feel free to email me, Helen, H-E-L-E-N, at leadershipeq.com.au. Okay. Look, that's, that's absolutely perfect. And, Helen, I'm really looking forward to going into the subject a little bit more and, um, yeah, talking to you again. So hopefully we'll catch up soon. Fabulous. And thank you for listening to me. I, like I said, I can talk for all the rest of the day about this if you want to listen. So thank you to you for having me on the show and thank you to all the listeners for taking time to listen to my story. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.